Hey guys, brothers and sisters, welcome back to Esoteric Psy, the podcast and institution where we talk about esoteric and psychological wisdom in a way, in a very practical way, where you can apply it to your day-to-day lives for your spiritual growth and just for your personal betterment in general. Uh, my name is Dr. Alex Aldana. With me is Miss Maddie. Maddie, how are you doing today? Well, hello there, everybody. It's so good to be back. Thank you for having me, Dr. Alex. I'm doing really well today. And yourself? Uh, I'm doing really great. I'm better with my coffee now. <laughs> uh, I am a hypnotherapist, uh, as well as an astrologer, among other things. And Ms. Maddie is a philosopher uh, and a health coach and life coach in general, I believe. So Maddie, what's your topic today? What are we talking about? So today we are going to talk about the shadow, the shadow self and the Jungian concept of the shadow and how that plays a role in our life and how we can integrate it. And and what do you know about the shadow? What's your way of understanding it? So the way that I have been taught to understand the shadow is that it is the repressed version of ourself, the unconscious version of ourself the aspects and personality um, facets of ourselves that we repress and we lock away because we have been taught that those are not acceptable, whether that be by our parents, by society, by just really people that have a large impact on our lives. If we've been taught that these things are not acceptable, then we lock them away. And so we carry that with us. Yeah, that's actually exactly correct like I mean that's how I understand it as well I would add or the way that I normally explain it to my patients is that you know we're born uh, uh, like this unique version of our authentic selves and then as, as life happens I mean we figure out that that authentic self is doesn't really thrive in all situations is kind of judged or is not doesn't have necessarily the best skills for all life situations and as we grow, we develop different kind of sub-personalities that we switch back and forth from. In that way, we all kind of have multiple personality disorder. Obviously not in the diagnosable form where we black out and stuff, but um, yeah, a subtle form of that, I would say. And yeah, the, the personalities that kind of help us survive and that are functional and that people like, uh, we kind of, we show to people, right? And then that's our um and that it's part of our personalities and the shadow is everything we don't show to people we're saying we don't accept about ourselves we don't like about ourselves and that we can kind of pretend it's not there you know but when we don't accept those facets of us it it's like working it's like a company running with half its personnel right it's not going to be very efficient so in this whole like shadow integration process we we bring to light all, all these personalities we understand that they're not bad because you know what is good and bad right uh, and we start working with them. And, you know, like we all have these rapists and killers inside us and the most horrible, horrible things. Like we all have some of those instincts in us. Uh, but, you know, just because we acknowledge that they're in us doesn't mean we're going to let them run the show or we're going to act on them, you know? And I think that's that's a big issue. I think we think a lot of people say, no, it's, that's not me. I don't have that. We all have this, we're all part animal. We are physically animals. Like the the human body is an animal, not except that. And animals kill to survive. Animals do a lot of things when they're under pressure, when they're sad. And rage, for example, or anger can be seen really badly because it makes other people uncomfortable, right? But at the same time, it 
pushes you out of your comfort zone and makes you change and it makes you survive if you're not in that situation. So anger isn't bad. Um, and it's some people's shadow and it's some people's just normal personality because that's what's worked for them. Being angry, being an angry person's worked for them. It's given them some advantages in life, right? I don't know if, if you have anything to add or, or if that makes sense to you or. Yeah, maybe even just throwing in an example based off of what you just described with anger. So I, anger was a part of my shadow growing up because at one point in my younger years, I expressed anger and that was shut down by either a family member or someone that was important to me and that was shut down and then anger became a part of my shadow and it was difficult for me to express anger because that was taught to me as a bad thing and so yeah just learning that like you know sometimes even shadow aspects can be useful if you look at it from a different perspective like we we need anger sometimes we need for that angry part of ourselves to express in a sense of like maybe assertiveness or just standing up for ourselves because if we don't embody that and if we don't integrate that it can take us over yeah exactly and, but when we channel it and when we actually use it for for you know pushing us it drives us like you know if we look at it astrologically you know it's mars or or uh, aries is that force that pushes plants out of the soil you know um for example uh when i was a teenager uh, i grew up very stressed because my brother uh, is autistic and he was um, taller than I was, like I'm six foot one. I think he's six foot six, something along those lines. Well, and when we're teenagers, he was about the same height, but he was much heavier than I was, right? So I grew up kind of with this, since he was autistic, but he not only was he autistic, he um, was aggressive. He, he was not verbal, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't have a conversation with you. He could understand a lot of what you were saying, uh, but he, was randomly spontaneously at a drop of a hat would just attack me or my mom or my dad and with time like I was the only one because I, I did martial arts that could restrain him without hurting him because my dad just kind of sometimes used too much force or whatever so it kind of fell upon me to restrain him and um, it was very very stressful like I, I just had this constant stress of that any moment like I would have to just at a drop of hat and have to like restrain my brother uh and until he got tired because then sometimes it'll be like two hours until he got tired right in a public restaurant or sometimes when it was lucky it was, it was in my household right but it was still very stressful because I, I would have other sports activities right so i was tired um and that just people finding out that that was my life uh, that i wasn't normal was my, it became my shadow, you know? I, I didn't want to show that or, or talk about that to to my uh, friends in high school. And that kind of became my shadow. And sometimes when we accept kind of our, our other life or other person and, and it's we are able to express our own authentic self, you know? Uh, this story for a lot of, for a long time was not easy for me to share with people. But as time passed, like uh, I've accepted that we all have our shadows and that something needs to be, uh, you know, that we can't really share just a piece of us that we like with people because we're everything. Um, and uh, well, that, yeah, I think that that experience and just uh, what became my shadow, right? Everything that was 
pertaining to my family. I think we all have kind of embarrassing family sometimes, or there, I don't think there's such thing as a normal family. And, and it, it's something that, that I really learned is that, you know, people have a right to be who they are. And just like you and I, we have a right to be who we are unapologetically. Just we have no reason to judge people for being the way they are. There, there's a book that Osho has that says, you know, you have not reached your full potential. <laughs> See, uh, speaking about the shadow, because okay. I, I didn't, I, I tend to speak quite quickly. And in my teenagers, like my mom would really get on me on that. And, and that was kind of a, a personality thing or a, um, kind of something I was very self-conscious about that became my shadow as well. Um, yeah, but anyway, there's a phrase from the book from Osho where he says, you know, you have not reached your full potential, neither your parents, right? So if you have a child, why would you believe that you know the child's full potential? Why would you believe that he knows that you know what's best for him? It says horrible things have been done in the name of helping someone. But what makes you believe you, you really know what's best for that child, right? It's like that child does not need your help. That child needs your love. And that applies for everyone, I believe, right? People do not need your help. People need your love, your acceptance of who they are in whatever facet they are expressing that moment. Um, yeah, I don't know what you believe about that, Miss Maddie. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think that all the shadow really wants is to be loved and to be accepted within ourselves. And when we are able to do that with our own self, we're able to apply that love and that compassion to other people and prevent the, the unconscious projection. So when we project onto other people, that is pretty much like basically when we don't accept something in ourselves and we see it in another person and we judge it. So for example, going back to my, my instance of anger, if I, you know, back then before I integrated my anger and my shadow, I would look at other people being really angry and getting really mad at others. And I would feel so, I would, it would be so like my, I would get activated by it and I would get triggered by it. And it's like, you know, all I needed to really do was say, oh, I see this in myself. Like, this is what I'm, this is what I judge in myself to be wrong. And then, you know, instead of judging that other person, I can learn to love it because it's just a part of who they are. And it's a part of who I am too, because we all have this light and this dark to us. Yeah. For example, um, uh, with, with me, it, it's nervousness, right? My mom was a very nervous person all the time. And uh, I do have a bit of a nervous in me, a nervousness in me, even though it's not like my main temperament. Like uh, what I would have when something would happen around me that was kind of really uncomfortable, my go-to thing would be like, you know, being nervous. And uh, this, I didn't really like this about myself, and I didn't really like that about my mom. How she would be so nervous, and so I would, but that would freak me out. I would, I would see people just being jittery and nervous, and uh, like being overwhelmed by life and being affected too much by other people's emotions and their circumstances, maybe focusing too much on the negative. And, and obviously that was a part of me, kind of this 
negative controlling nervous version of what was exactly what was happening inside of me and I didn't want to accept it or embrace it. And uh, that was me projecting my shadow. And that's exactly what we do with the shadow. We project it onto others, uh, not necessarily just others, sometimes in dreams, right? So it, uh, it, it's the third person, for example, um, Ken Wilbur gives a beautiful example of, a of let's say a werewolf is attacking you in a dream or a monster. Uh, well, if you do an experiment where you can sit down and you try and talk to the monster and sit in the chair, you find that it's not really like a fear of something getting to you, but it's your own repressed anger. Because again, anger can serve to, to protect us, right? So, but, but we project it onto this image because we have such a hard time embracing that anger as part of ourselves that we've learned to push it down. So in this pushing out, we project it and we see everyone is angry, like you said, or in our subconscious, we see this angry monster trying to get to us. And it does become um, something that's overwhelming, right, in our subconscious. Awesome. What, where do you think we should take this next, Miss Maddie? What, what do you want to go? Maybe something that we can do is, because there might be listeners who are wondering, like maybe they've never dabbled in shadow work or, or they've never really heard of it. So they might be wondering, well, what, what are my shadow aspects? Like, how do I spot these shadow traits or these shadow personalities within me? Like, how do I know what to work on and how to do the work? And yeah, something that's been really helpful for me to like kind of just see what the shadow in me is, is to pay really close attention to the interactions that you have on a day-to-day -day basis and just be very observant with your, you know, connections. And if, if someone does something that triggers you, or if someone does something that just really activates this really strong emotion within you, ask, why is this person triggering me? Or what is this person displaying? What behavior are they showing that I haven't accepted within myself? Because really what they're showing you, for example, in one of our sessions, we talked about Donald Trump and you could really use, like, just think like, okay, what, what is something that really annoys me about Donald Trump? Or what is something that really annoys me about a person, you know, and, and you can look at that as a mirror. That's why I think mirrors are so important. Like every single person that you meet is a mirror of yourself and vice versa. So you can really use that to do inner work on your own self based on your own you know, what you see in other people. Yeah, um, and exactly when we use that example of Donald Trump, I think I asked you uh, what bothered you about him because, uh, you know, he's a, especially for, for very liberal people, I mean, he's he's kind of a trigger, you know? And, and you said something, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was completely different from what I said. So two completely different things bothered us about Donald Trump and it was each other's shadow, right? And I said, well, um, I think it was just because, if I remember correctly, I said something along those lines of, uh, you know, he's got this such thrive and power, but he just does not use it responsibly, right? He's just willy-nilly just waving around all, all, all the power and, and focus he has and just not using it in the best format. He's not being congruent, right? And you said something different. And so that was like the shadow projection of something that I might not do, you know, maybe I'm not, how am I not being responsible in my life? Or... Oh, how am I being too responsible? Sometimes that might be it, you know, if because the same rules don't apply to everyone that really pisses the subconscious off. Right. So let's say uh, it's an eight year old boy 
I think I use this example a lot in, in my consultation. Let's say an eight-year-old boy is, you know, touching him, his, his, himself, he's exploring his body as children do, because that's how we understand our, our body and space around us. So let's say he's touching his genitals and, and he, his mom or his dad catch him doing that. And it's like, they hit him on, on the hand and they say, no, it's bad. You can't be touching yourself, you know, that's it. And so he's like, okay, uh, he gets into a shock and fear comes into him and he's like, okay, I can't be doing this. This isn't good. Uh, whatever, right? So he's in daycare the next day and he sees a little boy sticking his hand down his pants. So he's like, teacher, teacher, he's doing that. It's horrible, blah, 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 blah. You know, and he, what happens is we need the same rules to apply to others as to do as as to us, right? And I think there's this documentary that I use that I give my parents and give to my uh, students or, or to my patients a lot, Wild Wild Country, which is a documentary about Osho's life. And uh, I don't know if, if you've seen it, Miss Maddie. Okay. Well, that might be homework as well. <laughs> uh, so what happens is basically Osho be tries to uh, start an ashram, but he does that in a place where he's right next to, or the property's right next to a very, very conservative town. And if you know anything about Osho, he's all about being liberal with your sexuality and does like a lot of shadow work and like whatever whoever you really are you're you're correct right so he keeps very against marriage and like in the property there's people like randomly having sex anywhere because that's just how free they are right they don't care about nudity they don't care about that so when these kind of hippie um very wild uh, people that ha are it's because osha combines like eastern meditation with like um the whole psychology of um young and you know embracing the shadow and freud so psychoanalysis combined with meditation like really is a potent potent um therapy for getting for making like huge progresses in people right so he comes up with like all these people that are don't really have the, these many hang-ups about who they are into a very liberal town and these people are just so so angry that you know, they, they have this, you know, Judeo-Christian morals of, you know, you can't just be hugging people and, and you know, kissing people are liberated and you just can't be free because there's, you know, and they have this mentality of being stressed and being hung up about all these values that they have. And they see these people that don't have the same hangups and they're very angry because they're immoral people. How can they live this way, right? And they do everything possible to get rid of them because that's their shadow. You know, it's, they have, we all have these sexual urges. We all have this uh, drive in us to, you know, have sex and be free and run like animals. And if you just repress that all the time, I mean, you can't, obviously you can't express it all the time, but you can find a way and, and to express it occasionally. And it doesn't have to run your life, you know? Uh, in this case, it was running the people of Anablope's life because even though they weren't expressing it, it was running their life in the sense that that's what their brain kind of dwelt on. It kept repeating this pattern of uh, piousness so much that that's who they were. And it, it ran their lives. And so they couldn't really direct all the energy to expressing their full potential, their authentic self. I know if I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, that makes so much sense. And I love that example. I definitely want to check out that documentary. It sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I think like building awareness 
Because like you said, they let it run their lives. They let their shadow take the wheel and control them. And that's when conflict arises. And I think the key to remedying that is building the awareness around it. So like, okay, this is my shadow. And when you're aware of it, you can start working on it and integrating it and loving it and becoming more embodied and whole. And it's funny because I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, why do we repress it so deeply? And I think it's because it's like an, it's like ego preservation and self-preservation. We want to be safe. We want to be we want to be accepted by people, by society. We have this urge to just like fit in and be safe. But that's so paradoxical because you're not really safe when you're fragmenting yourself and you're not accepting who you truly are. Because whether you like it or not, you are all parts of the spectrum. Like you are the angry person. You are the smart person. You're the confident person. You're like the person who's anxious. You are all these people but you're not going to be fully free and safe unless you accept all of those aspects and you have to be aware of all of them in order to do that. So bringing everything to awareness, I think is like so important. I think that awareness is the key to um, freedom and acceptance. Yeah, exactly. You know, like um, with astrology, for example, you know, you are all the signs of the zodiac, right? And it, for example, Taurus people really bug me sometimes, right? And I try to like figure out why, because uh, I have a lot of tourist patients and I was like, well, what really bothered me uh, around them? And this concept of slowness, of not accepting change, or just, uh, and then when, uh, I have my chart ruler, Mercury in Taurus. And so sometimes, you know, I can only digest small bits of information. And sometimes I get oversaturated by stuff that's going on. And that's, that's my shadow you know that was that's what bothered me about you know Taurus people for example the slowness this resistance to change this only being able to take a little a little tiny bit of change at a time but that's healthy for them and that's healthy for me and trying to keep up with what the world expects of us is not healthy because we can't we don't all change at the same pace we don't all have the same abilities we don't I mean, it's, you know, like Einstein said, you can't judge a fish by his ability to climb a tree. Uh, we're all a little bit different. And I think we really all have the ability to be geniuses, maybe not at the beginning of our life, but throughout our lives at specific things, right? Um, I don't know if, I if I've ever shared this anecdote before, but um, I, I didn't, I was very late at walking. It was, it was almost two years old and I was, had not walked yet, right? Um, and this my dad uh, used to have a couple pieces of property and uh, or farmland and he was talking to one of like his um, uh, people that helped him out and he was holding me and the the ranch worker was like you he doesn't walk yet he's kind of big for like why are you holding him i was like no no he hasn't he doesn't walk yet like that's not normal um have you ever, have you tried just taking his socks and shoes off and just putting him on the bare ground and he said, no, let's just try that. Give it a shot. And he did that. And that I started walking in that moment. So there's so much wisdom in people. And I mean, in a perfect world, I mean, we would all develop uh, and we would all 
develop our own rate and people would accept that. And as time grew and we, as we got older, we would understand like our specific role in society and would grow so, and that might change, you know, that might just be some awesome experiences. We would grow there and develop many tools in that region and maybe in some other ones that we would have our own specific life experiences uh, that would help us to be, to express our full potential, right? Uh, but that's not, sadly, that's not what happens because we, a lot of times don't accept, embrace what our strengths are. And well, some people are just, there are some geniuses out there that express that much earlier on and we compare them to, we, we compare ourselves to them and that's not our life story. It's not who we are meant to, to be. And that's fine. That's beautiful. Maybe we don't express who we fully are. Uh, until we're 40, 50, or 60. Uh, but it's about enjoying the journey. I don't know what your thoughts on are on that. Ms. Maddie, can you hear me? So I can relate to that so extremely well. The fact that we all need to honor our own journeys and not compare ourselves to other people. I think once you told me that comparison is the thief of joy and this is it rings so true to my soul especially because of the journey that i've been on for the majority of my life and i'm still kind of on this journey and i think people who are students and who have been a part of the educational system no matter what country you're in i feel like i can't really speak for other countries but i'm from the united states so just the way that the educational system from when we enter school to when we get out of you know high school or even college i feel like they there's this unspoken expectation where we are just all kind of like i guess forced to produce a one specific result and we are not really taught to honor our individuality and we're not really taught to nurture our individual strengths i feel like there's this just like forced unity. We're all just like taught to learn the same exact subjects and get this grade and write this paper. And that can really, really weaken our self-esteem if we don't perform to their expectations and to their standards. And you know what? I've learned that I used to beat myself up for not getting like an A plus or for not getting the same grade as Johnny on this physics exam. But it's like, well, what if your strength isn't physics? You know, what if you are so amazing at like biology, but I feel like we're all, we're all taught to just measure up to the same level and we're condemned for not like producing those results. So it's just so important to realize that there's so many different types of intelligence. There's so many different types of like talents. Everyone has their own strengths and their own weaknesses and we should honor all of them. It's okay if you're not amazing at this one thing because odds are you're probably so freaking phenomenal at another thing. And, and I think that should really be prioritized is just focusing on your unique gifts and bringing those to the world and, and really honoring that and nurturing that. Yeah, uh, my wife got got into her. She's awful at um, at math. You know, it's not her natural talent, right? So she kind of grew up hating school because she, you know, the sciences and she's pretty good at languages, right? Like, uh, at, she grew up in Mexico, so it was like Spanish. Um, 
or you know English as a second language you know uh, studying that she, she was pretty good at, at languages uh, that kind of intelligence but as far as you know mathematical and special spatial and uh, a scientific intelligence she, she wasn't that wasn't her 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 big strong point so she grew up kind of self-conscious about that uh, where she was great at drawing and great at just making fun of stuff and she used to draw these awesome comics uh, when she was in high school and so she kind of grew up very self-conscious about her intelligence when she just had different kind of intelligence you know she she's great at, at making comics and drawings and stuff and she never really exploited that until uh, very recently so yeah I, I just getting into a sense of okay maybe I'm not like everyone else maybe I mean I think we're all made of the same stuff but actually that's a phrase that I'm on in the book I'm writing we're all made of the same stuff but in potentially radically different proportions and that's so so important why because uh because we're so proportionally different like there's people that we get and we understand because they're our same temperament or that we have we're similar to them but there's people that we don't really get because they have different priorities different uh, beliefs different uh, yeah they're structured differently than us right so for us, we're like, oh, this person is so weird. And why does he or she react that way or whatever, you know? But it's just because we don't get them because, you know, their structure is different and their shadow is different and they value different aspects of themselves. So they express different aspects of themselves, right? Um, yeah, I mean, if it, whatever typing system that, that you prefer, whether it's, you know, it's the four temperaments, which is, you know, that's four temperament, that's the nature uh, that's kind of like the endocrinological and genetic aspect of yourself, um, you, your predisposition uh, in the nature and nurtures versus nature. And then we have our personality, which is how we're built and wired, what we show to people, all our all different personalities, whatever, whichever that may be that we're expressing in that moment, right? And there's many different typing systems for that, like the Enneagram, which is really good, really interesting. But once we understand that we are built and wired differently, um, we can kind of start seeing and understanding other people. I, I like to use the planetary systems, you know, like there's Mars types, there's uh, Jovial or Jupiterian types, there's uh, Moon types. And when we understand that, okay, maybe this person has different priorities. Maybe this person likes to be alone. Maybe this person really needs to be with people or have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I mean, I thrive with a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. That's my, that's what I enjoy being. That's what I try and spend most of my day, just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. I am not such, I'm not so hot or I didn't enjoy like large groups of people. That's not really where I thrive, right? And I, I, I can tolerate people by myself. I can enjoy a very good book. That's not bad, but really large groups of people is where I don't feel really comfortable, right? And I was taught that that was bad because all my friends would enjoy being around other people so much and I would just prefer to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, right? Never really understood why. Um, and But I, I kind of learned that that was something bad about myself, but it's not, you know? It's just my preference. It's where I thrive. Does that mean I'm always going to be there? No, I should probably push myself outside my comfort zone a little bit so I can be better functioning uh, in groups of people. But it's not bad. That's my preference. I don't know if you get where I'm coming from. 100%. And I also relate to that. I am much better in one-on-one -on -one settings as opposed to group settings. But I agree with what you said about like, you know, there's a balance to really keep in mind about well, you know, is this going to help me grow? If it is, 
if it's going to get me out of my comfort zone and push, push me a little bit, then go for it, you know, do something new, build some neural pathways, some new neural pathways. But this isn't to say, like, make this your way of life, like make this your priority, like change who you are, because that's not going to be fulfilling for you. And that's not going to feel natural. And it's not going to feel harmonious. Go for what feels good always. And you, you will always know what feels good because we're, we have, we're humans and we have these emotions. We have these emotional indicators. So just tuning into your, your inner being and focusing on what really, really just feels best to you is probably what is a part of your true nature. And I think you should follow that always. Um, no matter what any external person or circumstance leads you to believe, you know, everyone's going to have their own beliefs. And, you know, something that I struggled with a lot growing up is taking on other people's beliefs because I didn't always have such a strong sense of self. So I would always absorb and I would always be very impressionable to what other people wanted from me. And that that, you know, caused a lot of emotional and energetic spiritual disturbances for me. But I'm grateful that I went through all that because now I do have a very strong, strong sense of self and I always follow what feels good. And I've been, you know, focusing on integrating all of these aspects of myself that I never really looked at before. And now I feel more free than I've ever been in my entire life. It's the best work you could possibly do for yourself. That's, that's just so awesome. Um, but do what feel what feels good always i think that has a lot of nuances to it i think that might be kind of dangerous for people if they hear that even though i do believe that's the case kind of most of the time you know uh but there's a phrase that i love um that says you know the strongest plant is not the one in the best soil it's the one that develops the strongest roots and that's because you know it developed those strong roots because there was a lot of wind a lot of stuff it had to get through a lot of difficulty it had to get through to become the strong powerful plant right so in that same way like excesses excesses are not like great right so for example like um we were talking about the polarity right of um in, in consultation right we're talking about the excess of like you know, overprotection oh ex excessive love right and then ex abandonment and abuse so if someone grows up in either of these extreme poles either excessive kind of um, excessive overprotection and love and or the excess of abandonment or abuse. And there's not like a middle zone, like this middle, middle neutral ground where the child feels safe, feels loved, but also is kind of pushed to develop his own life skills and to start handling life by his own terms in his own way. What kind of happens is that we grow up with a false sense of reality, right? Because in reality, sometimes people aren't there for us. Sometimes we have to handle stuff on our own. Our own. Even though we are loved and backed up by our clan, um, we do have to develop the sense of doing stuff on our own. And that can be traumatizing for people that are overprotected. And that can be very, very frustrating for them to have to handle something on their own. Um, and for someone who has abandonment and abuse, they kind of have the sense of why, why aren't people here to back me up or, or why do I always have to do things for myself? Maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm whatever. And that's a huge sense of uh, frustration, not feeling backed up, not feeling worthy or not feeling that, that someone has your back. And um, but we all have to get through like no one's life is perfect. We all have to get all through these struggles. And that's what makes us strong. 
of having challenges and getting through through them. So I would say, yeah, definitely um, do a lot of what feels good, but don't just do that. I mean, there is path of least resistance. There's people that spend uh, a lifetime fighting, you know, just um, trying to just what feels good and just not facing this deep darkness inside them, the shadow. Um, they spend so much time running away from it that it rules them, that it becomes the drive, that running kind of the feel that drives their life. And for people that do the opposite, that, you know, instead of, uh, instead of just looking for what the easiest path of what feels good, they just spend so much time fighting everything, just doing the most difficult work, just not enjoying life, just training and preparing themselves for something that doesn't come and then they never enjoy life. So either extreme is dangerous, is not your full spectrum, is not completely who you are. So finding what proportion is best for you as far as building this character, building the, this, this strength, um, being able to overcome the odds, but also enjoying relaxing and finding the path of least resistance. That balance is not something that most people can find easily. I don't know if you agree with that or what are your thoughts totally, on that? Totally, I agree. I feel like, I don't know if this sounds masochistic or not, but doing shadow work and confronting like the demons, it can be so difficult and it is something that's not easy to do. And doing, you know, going through adversity in general, it's something that is so not easy. And I think, like you said, just finding the balance of what works best for you, of like, you know, going through your struggles and enjoying life and like, you know, how do you deal with your struggles? But I think something that would be a great picture to paint for people that really, really greatly illustrates the point that you were just making is like the waves, you know, life, you know, we go up and we go down and we go up and we go down and um, like, for someone who is more, I guess, I don't want to say evolved, but for people who like, you you had explained this to me, I don't, I don't want to butcher the explanation of this, but like when you're going down on a wave that's going down, so you're experiencing some difficulties, some turbulence, um, it's just a matter of having the tools and resources, the inner tools and resources to like ride that wave a little bit more smoothly and come out on top but um yeah i don't know if that made any sense <laughs> yeah that's actually kind of when we look at it from you know magic point of view or you know the great magician is that person that can or that knows that you know they're going to have successes they're going to be up and they're going to be down they're going to not have successes they're going to have a lot of failures but that's where you learn that right so the Kind of when you're on the way down, it's about, okay, do I have life skills to deal with this? Okay, if I don't, then how can I develop them? What what lesson is here to be learned? Uh, so you don't suffer that, right? Because the, the downward spirals or the, the wave on its way down is kind of, uh, well, it's, it's necessarily, right? We're not just, but we can surf it to where we don't have to suffer. You know, like the, the old, like, I think it's a Buddhist saying, uh, it says, you know, pain is obligatory. We're going to have pain in this lifetime, but suffering is optional. So um, like in the way down, when we have the failure, well, yeah, of course, it's going to hurt. 
but we don't have to suffer dwelling it so it doesn't last quite as long so instead of always having kind of this up and down up and down we can have this up and then a down which can be less and then up again and we can constantly go upward to where we're developing more tools we're enjoying everything and when we kind of develop the sense of what can i learn or how much fun can i have learning in the situation we just become much fuller individuals and we just suffer life way less and uh I don't know. I think that's where it's a very yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for <laughs> enhancing that explanation. That, that, that was a very good point that you were making. So I think it's a good time to start kind of wrapping up and kind of give people kind of advice of how they can detect their shadow and um, how they can work on that. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it's a good point or how should we begin about this? I think we've said a lot about this and I think that yeah, this is a great place to end off and make some concluding remarks. And yeah, what, what would you say is the best way? Well, first, I think it's very important to kind of um, observe yourself um, if, and, and look for exaggerated responses. Like if, you, if there's a reaction that's very out there, really like, you know, that other people won't, wouldn't have to that, right? Uh, first, observe that because not that not every situation is going to, make bring this reaction out in other people right so and if you don't have that ability because sometimes when we have very intense emotions like we have blinders on and we believe that this is true this is our reality right but if we were just to calm that emotion down and just kind of observe ourselves observe ourselves as kind of a neutral third party observer uh like wow is this exaggerated right is this too much is this odd and if not you can always, if you don't have that ability to kind of calm that emotion down, ask other people like, hey, I'm really trying to work on myself. Uh, do you notice any exaggerated reactions on my part? Is there anything like really that sticks out about me that that's odd? And they're going to tell you, well, maybe you're controlling. <laughs> or like, yes, you know, dude, you don't really enjoy life that much. <laughs> you try and control everything. Or maybe, you know, you don't express your anger. I think you keep a lot Um kind of hidden uh you don't really express everything you're, you're, you're feeling and i think that that's getting to you right and when you ask a couple of people and they have others because sometimes people can project their own shit right and maybe what bothers them about you is exactly what really bothers them about themselves right uh so it might not be accurate but when you ask a couple of people and they and they coincide on a couple of things like wow maybe this is my shadow right but what would be ideal is you being able to observe yourself but again most people are so like impulsive or don't have that ability to kind of calm their emotions down right so yeah ask people like you know hey or these couple subjects right make you really angry and i noticed we can't talk to that with with you about that or maybe even ask people that what subjects do you find that you can't really talk to me on because I get angry or, you know, oh, well, I can't, for example, I can't really correct you or I can't really say that you, you didn't made a mistake because you take that very personally. Oh, wait, do I take that personally? Why? Why is a mistake? Why do I take it so hard? Why does it affect me so much, right? And that introspection, sometimes you do need someone that, that has experience in dealing with this, right? can take you through that process but just understanding your shadow and just asking beginning the journey of asking those questions of why does this anger me so much what beliefs do i hold uh what experience in my childhood made me 
understand life this way, that's going to get you on the journey to fixing that. I don't know if that was helpful or if I could elaborate on that. Or if you have anything you can add to that, Miss Maddie. I think that's absolutely beautiful to just like, you know, advise that like you can go to other people, people that you trust, people that you have a very strong, secure relationship with and ask them, you know, what do you, what do you observe within me? And, you know, I think that's great because sometimes you're right. I, and I find that this is true with myself. Like, I think when your emotions are so turned on and the volume is all the way up on your emotions, it can be difficult to perceive clearly and accurately. So I think that is very, very helpful. Well, I think this is a good uh, place to end. What about you? What are your thoughts on this? I would say so. Great. Uh, so uh, please check us out, check the website out and uh, please listen to some more of our videos or podcasts in whatever format you're listening to this. Um, any last comments or any goodbyes? Just a quick little thank you to everyone who's tuning in and yeah, have fun integrating your shadow. Be very, very, very patient with yourself and have lots of self-compassion throughout and the whole process. Once you do locate it, just love it. Just accept it, embrace it because it, it has helped keep you alive. That aspect of you and that you don't enjoy or whatever, it's kept you alive. So it's a beautiful aspect of yourself because of that. And integrating that will just give you so much more power and strength to go through life. Um, yeah, so this has been Esoteric Side, the institution podcast, where we start a dialogue about esoteric wisdom, ancient wisdom, and psychological knowledge. So you can apply it in a practical way in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, my name is Dr. Alex Saldana. With me has been Miss Maddie. Uh, thank you so much for brothers and sisters for being with us in this journey and we'll see you very soon.